Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Dr. Gretchen Freeling, MD of G-Face MD. Welcome everybody to Medical Spa Insider, Alex Tiersch here. And today we have the lovely and talented Dr. Gretchen Freeling, MD of G-Face MD. Doctor, I'm glad uh, we have you because I know you've got like eight or nine podcasts uh, scheduled for today. We managed to get you first. So this is my first of four or five potentially podcasts today. So I guess you're lucky that I'm not going to be like, wait, did I already say that? <laughs> oh, yes. First of all, that's that's crazy. Um, four or five. What the hell? Who? Yes. who well, I'm not even going to ask who, I know, who else yeah. because so I don't want So it's a bunch of people that have been asking me for a while and they... I just decided to do them all in one day and I'm not sure that was a good idea because I just couldn't find the time to fit them in otherwise and we'll see what happens. You so. know what? You're going to be in the mood for it and you're going to be talking a lot. I think it's perfect. So let's just, I mean, let's just get started and get into it because I want to get your, your mind while you're fresh. All these other, all these other, um, you know, so-called podcasts, um, they can take seconds you know, second seat to us because I think we're we're definitely on, on on much better terms with you than anybody else. I'm totally joking, by the way. <laughs> um, but but let's. So I, I I just you know we're 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 going. So um, um tell me um Gretchen first of all um thank you so much for uh, joining us. For those of you who are listening and have not um heard of Dr. G, we call her Dr. Gretchen Freeling of uh, G Face MD in Boston. She actually did a podcast with us a couple of years ago, right when we were coming out. Actually, we were kind of right in the middle of COVID, I think. Um, and it um, it was really interesting talking to you because we were still very much trying to get our bearings, figuring out what was going on, um, and that was an interesting conversation. But 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 Gretchen, um, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me again. Of course, no. I've been I've been looking forward to getting um, caught up with you. You you've been um, a, a big help to AIMSPA. You were a uh, a big speaker at MSS. So many of you saw her there. But um, let's first of all. I mean, I looking at my notes. We spoke in June of 2020, which really was kind of you know right in the beginning of, 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 of the pandemic. Tell me kind of what you've been up to. Like it's, 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 it's been a long time, um, since we spoke. Um, I know you've got a a very thriving business, but, but let's, let's just jump into it and, and tell me a little bit about what, what, what you've been up to. And for those who, who don't know you, what your, um, a little bit about yourself, what your brand is and, 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 and we'll just get into it. Yeah. I cannot believe it's been two years. That is wild. It is wild. Um, that, that's got to be a lot has happened in two years. It's not yeah. though. It says right there. So we, as many of you know, the aesthetic industry providers in the industry, we've grown significantly in the past two years, and it's been it's been crazy. Uh, it's been yeah. a lot of fun. We've uh, expanded a skincare line, which we can talk all about. I know you want to hear all yeah, about that. I do. Um, expanded a skincare line, which I actually launched in 2020 and then had to rebrand it. So that's something we could talk about and give some guidance for people who are interested in starting their own skincare line. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So we did that. I've added some practitioners. I've let practitioners go, you know, the whole thing. It's all about maintaining the quality and accelerating forward, but not 
too quickly to, to combustion, right? So, <laughs> well, let's let's talk a, let's let's talk a quick sec about your background because you are um, an MD yeah. and a I'm going to screw this up, but it's a board. You're a, a board certified dermapathologist, constructivist, something, <laughs> like, something like that. I'll say it that way when I get on the yeah. stage next time. That'll sound great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, I'm a triple boarded dermatopathologist, and that means um, I have taken three board exams. So, I'm an anatomic pathologist, a clinical pathologist, and a dermatopathologist. And the pathology side, traditionally, people would say that has nothing to do with aesthetics and why would that even correlate at all. And one big thing about aesthetics is that the, we are developing the field every day. We yeah. don't have, you know, we are doing things each day to propel the field. And you always have to ask questions, right? Ask questions, and that is going to accelerate us. So pathology, actually, I found does have a lot to do with aesthetics and that's where my practice has become different and a little bit known for different things essentially. So um, it's almost analogous to how Galderma started some of their first yeah. um, minds in the field with Galderma were microbiologists, you know, right. and ironically we develop dermal fillers and the hyaluronic acid comes from bacteria. Right. So who would have ever thought a microbiologist would have anything to do with making hyaluronic acid fillers? Well, there you go. Yeah. So it's all about asking questions in the field. And so that's, you know, anatomic pathology is the, you know, the, the, all of the body systems and the diagnosis of disease of the body systems. And then clinical pathology is the microbiology, hematopathology, blood banking, all that stuff. Yeah, so oh, I mean, we all know that. Path, that's that's yeah, we don't do a lot of that. that's common knowledge, <laughs> you know. Is, is, is <laughs> I don't need to know your blood type. Yeah. Um, so then, dermatopathology is skin based. So when I took my boards, you become boarded by the board of dermatology and the board of pathology, and that's for diagnosis of skin diseases under the microscope. And right. from there, I practiced as a dermatopathologist for several years. And realized that I wanted more. Um, and the more for me was either I'm going to open my own lab and have a lab that receives specimens from all over the country and we make the diagnosis and, yeah. and give that to the, the clinicians. Or my other more situation was let's develop an aesthetic practice and incorporate who I am and where I come from into aesthetics to make myself very different. Yeah. And yeah, that that did not come easily. Um, I received a lot of pushback at the beginning. People were like, what is she doing? Um, I was, it was not easy at all. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I think that's really interesting. Um, because we, you know, it, it, as part of AmSpy, we have all sorts of different providers and, and, and a lot of them, in fact, you know, the, the, the primary portion are MDs, PAs or NPs, but but often MDs who come from different disciplines and come into aesthetics, and there is that sort of um, you know there there's I I would call it a turf war um, I, in some sense, but there's there's there are some people, um, and, and oftentimes it's they're they're dermatologists or plastic surgeons um, who who tend to be a little bit resistant to others coming in. So what kind of pushback did you get, and and how did you deal with that? Yeah. Well, I want to comment on what you just said, because yeah. I so firmly believe that I do not care what your background is. I don't care where you came from, because no matter what specialty you're in, when you were in medical school, 
your anatomy classes did not teach you the layers of the skin of the face, all of the different planes. You cannot tell me that you stuck a needle in somebody's face or a knife and were able to tell me every single layer of the temple or every single layer of the cheek. It does not happen. Mm-hmm. We took anatomy in medical school to pass our tests and <laughs> to pass our boards. And that's very different than aesthetics. So there should be no, you know, we we all need to learn and grow and, you know, kudos to you for your cadaver lab. Every single specialty, regardless of your degree or your specialty, needs to do cadaver labs and, and learn more. So that's my first thing. Yeah. I don't care where you came from. There's a lot to be learned like when it, it comes to aesthetics and we're learning more and more every day. Yeah. Um, so when I started, I not only am I still arguably the only dermatopathologist to have a very successful aesthetic practice, um, people didn't like it. I was a disruptor in the industry mm-hmm. and I accelerated very quickly because I approach my patients and my my team very differently. I'm so education heavy and the Mm -hmm. education was surrounding everything that happens under the skin and how we need to understand that before we inject somebody's face and how it works. I want to know why. So everything, you know, I started by myself. So I wasn't teaching anybody but myself and, and people didn't like that. Uh, Even though I was in one tiny room in yeah. the back of a nail salon with a paper sign that said Gretchen Freeling MD um, <laughs> with all those certifications and all those degrees I was not embarrassed to do that I was very proud that's and, awesome that's awesome yeah I, love and I, I was at three different labs and I was doing that at the same time I was growing GFACE MD and I think where people were threatened was my social media yes and that's where social media played a huge role in growing who I am, my audience, um, awareness of all of the things that we need to learn about aesthetics. And, and I think people felt threatened. So, you know, I received correspondence that wasn't in my favor, you know, questioning if I should just stop doing what I'm doing to myself, you know, saying, wow, like people obviously don't like that I'm doing this. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, I wasn't. That's and I followed tough. all the rules. Yeah. And here we are. So, um, th- th- were, were these, and obviously we're not, <laughs> we don't want to get into IDing anybody, but were, were these from other providers, other groups, people in your, in your location? Like you, you're in Boston. Um, so was it people that were around you that were threatened or was it, was it other, you know, physicians who just thought that, that, that you shouldn't be in this, in this space, given your, your background as a uh, dramatic pathologist, copulogist. <laughs> dramatic pathologist. <laughs> um, so it was, it was both. So people in my area okay. were, Um, so nobody will, when you get reports given to you by either a bigger division or just a person, you don't really know their name. It's like, we've heard that we've had a report that, or we've had a complaint that, right. People don't like to give their names for obvious reasons. So, um, at the very beginning I was contacted by a big organization that said I was turned in because I was misrepresenting myself. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And a lawyer contacted me and I said, okay, I was so paralyzed for about six hours. I sat in a chair and looked at a wall because I was like, holy cow, like what is happening? Yeah, uh, scary. And we I sent them my degrees and my diplomas and they're like, okay, case closed. I mean, it was just somebody who was mad yeah. that I was in the industry now as a competitor to them. Uh, 
And fast forward five years now, they want to be my friend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think, you know, my, my point of the story is, is that it may seem on the outside, like everything is perfect and easy. And wow, you obviously are successful because all of these credentials and you work so hard, but there have been many, many loopholes that I've had to go through a lot of, um, you know, it's not sadness, but ups and downs with the success of a business as it usually, as you usually have. Yeah. So, so let's, um, you said five years ago, is that when you started, um, in the back of the salon? Was that, was that five years ago or was it, was it a little bit further back than that? Yeah, it was September 17th of 2017. Okay. was when I, open my doors. What? And there was like one patient okay. every month. <laughs> I know this is what like, I, I, I love this, this part of it because every, and, and, and I, and I mean this, um, sincerely every single successful, um, med spa that, that, that I've talked to, um, that, that has been around for, you know, more than three years started almost exactly in the same way. And that it was somebody who was a provider who wanted to get into, um, aesthetics and just started training and learning and, and injecting, um, and, 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 and learning their craft. And oftentimes it was in a, a single room with a single patient. Um, how did you like, those first couple years, like how did you grow your business? Like, um, what were some of the things that you did? Was it, was it all social media or were you out there pounding the pavement and knocking on doors and things like that? Yeah. So in 2017, you could do that, right? It's like, you forget what that's like, but I, uh, I talk to everyone and I think there's a book, it's called the luck factor. I think that's exactly what it's called. I can't remember, but you know, you can say you're lucky, but everything you do in your life and every person you meet and every situation you're in increases your chances of quote unquote being lucky, right? You set yourself up for this. And I talk to everyone. Uh, One of the biggest businesses that was instrumental to me was SoulCycle. So I would go to SoulCycle every single morning at 6.30 a.m. and or 5.30 a.m. and created a community there that trusted me and wanted to support me. Yep. And as you know, SoulCycle is a huge community. And from there it grew uh, and just word of mouth that way. And social media was huge. My social media then is very different than it is now. It was a lot more of me. Yeah. <laughs> so so my father-in-law is a photographer, a professional photographer, not really. He's a businessman and does that on the side. And I was in his basement doing photos. And I would use Canva at that time. Canva was much different than it is now. And that's a platform many people use for creation of all, all types of content. Yeah. And it took me two hours to make one post and I would have myself like dancing around doing something and, you know, <laughs> making all these different graphics of myself. And it was so funny because I went to a big conference. It was one of my first conferences in New York city in like 2018 or something. And the, the person who started the conference was like, Oh, I know you, you're the one with yourself just dancing around all over your Instagram. I was like, yes, that is me. (laughs) (laughs) But she had already known who I was just by, just from branding. I was consistent. My logo was very well known and people knew who I was. So is your, is is, is your logo the same now as it was then? I mean, the, the G. Okay. Really? So you, so you fixed, got that from the beginning and stuck to it. That's awesome. Cause that helps. That helps. Yeah. So the logo has been around. I can go on for days about trademarking and registering things. I don't know if you want to, we can talk about that for two seconds. I think it's really important. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, so, so, so have you actually, so you've actually taken the time to trademark your, your logo and your, and some of the, the, the marks in your brand. Yeah. So it doesn't require much time from the practitioner standpoint. It's some money, but it's not a ton. Yeah. It's more money if something happens later, but you should always trademark both your logo and the actual name of your practice because those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that at the beginning. So I trademarked my logo and you know, being trademarked with a TM, you then have to go on to get it registered. So that just is a process that takes time. And I have a really great contact that I use. I'm happy to share it with people if they're interested in it, but a lawyer trademarking lawyer does this every single day. And they search the trademark database to see if there's anything like yours to give you, you know, guidance on should you change your name or should you go ahead with the name you have? So I took a little bit longer to trademark GFACE MD, yeah. and um, that actually hasn't been because I ran into some issues. So, uh, which is unfortunate. So, GFACE is actually trademarked, mm-hmm. but not GFACE MD, and I can't disclose all of the legalities behind right. it. But right. um, it's unfortunate. So that happened, and then this also happened with my skincare line, where I had a certain name for a specific reason. It was my kids' names together, so Madison and Sawyer, yep. and it was Sonier. Mm-hmm. And somebody with four letters of that word came after me, a billion-dollar company, if anybody can figure that out. Really? And they came after me and said they own the global rights to those four letters in a row. And I'm this really? tiny little company, right? And I had launched it. It had been about a year, uh, no, maybe six months. And then it was a year of back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out my new name. And they were dictating everything I could do and couldn't do and telling me, you know, no, you can't use this name. No, you can't use that name. Long story short, I came up with Sawyer, S-O-Y-I-E-R, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like my son's name Sawyer. So he thinks it's named after him. So he's very happy. Um, <laughs> and then I had another baby, so she would have been left out anyway. So I really have to say everything <laughs> happens for a reason, but I would encourage all new providers to contact me. If you want my contact, he's awesome. Uh, yeah. He's out of new Orleans, but does everything remote, but trademark your brands, trademark your logos and all that and trademark them in every single color. Yeah. So you don't want to just trademark them in gold or black or whatever, every color. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like the secondary marks that, um, that you want to make sure you pick up. And there's, I, I agree. It's, it's something that is often overlooked and it's not an issue until it becomes an issue. Right. And then at some point somebody comes after you and says, Oh, I own this mark. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I've been developing this brand for 18 months and I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on it. And now you're telling me I can't use it anymore. That, I mean, that, that, that becomes real very quickly. Um, I think I find it interesting that, that there's a company that, <laughs> that has the global rights to the, to four letters in a row. It's like that, <laughs> that, that's tough to compete with. Um, they may or may not make TVs if you can figure yeah. out. <laughs> that's, 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 that's crazy though. So, um, yeah. at what point, with your kind of, you know, you were in your, your single room, you were just, you know, you're, you're out networking, you're on social media. At what point did you think to yourself, all right, this is, this is going to work. I need to make the splash, get my own space, really, you know, try to blow this up and take it to the next level. Was there a kind of a seminal tipping point that you remember and look back on, or, or was it just kind of organic and cumulative? It was a little organic. I mean, it was about one year I was in that tiny room and I tried to hire someone to help me, but it was so awkward because we're in this little tiny space. I think I I paid $300 a month for it. 
And it was hard for me to have an assist of any kind because she was in the room with me and it was just weird. So, you know, it was also getting weird because I was doing everything and checking out my patients and that can get awkward sometimes. Um, So then I found space um, in the town I live in, just, I don't know, half a mile from where the first office was. And with any growth, it's scary. You know, the rent at that time seemed huge for me to have this space that was, what, 1,700 square feet, three rooms, and it was just me. But you can't, you get to a point where you realize you can't keep growing. You're, you're completely constricting yourself. And if you make it, people will come. If you make a brand mm-hmm. and you make yourself known, people will come. But you can't grow if you don't do that. So I was at a point where I was like, I've got to do this. And um, that happened. And then quickly after that, I took over the whole floor because I also realized the, that second space was way too small. So I think it it does keep going to a point where where I'm at right now is looking at expanding to new locations. And that for me is a huge step uh, and yes. scary. Yes. Because once you do that, first of all, I don't have a right-hand person that can be in different locations and run the office yet. Uh, I'm very actively hiring, but um you don't want to compromise quality in any way. Right. And I'm such a perfectionist that I'm, I'm taking a little bit longer on this step, but it's, it'll happen this year. So you're, so, so you're looking right now to expand to a whole nother location. So you'll, you'll keep your current location and then open a, a secondary one. Is it going to be local? I mean, it's going to be kind of nearby in, in, in the Boston area. It's not going to be some other city or, or is it? Yeah. Well, yeah, so we're looking in Boston okay. in a couple different areas, um, and then up north in New Hampshire and in Cape Cod. So oh, awesome. there are several different places, but you know I've been looking for many months, and the real estate market's very strange. Yes. And I feel like you just have to go with your gut with these types of things. And this isn't just a tiny place that you know people will open offices. They're really small and cookie cutter. They're a couple hundred square feet with like one or two rooms. These are these are situations. Um, these are yeah. experiences where you go and it's a whole experience either with the skincare store at the front and G face at the back or just an entire G face office. So we're working on it, but yeah, again, I, I also have a family and kids and, uh, I don't want to sacrifice too much. I sacrifice a lot. Obviously we work all right. the time, but I, I want to have, I need another right hand, almost like a COO of sorts to help me get to that, that step. Yeah. So, so, so w- w- when you moved into your current space, uh, you know, the, your original 1700 square feet, and this is, and I asked this cause I, this is something, a question that we get all the time. Um, and, and I don't think there's necessarily a right answer for it. It's all based upon particular circumstance, but did you, um, start solely with injectables or did you, you know, take a dive and say, I'm going to go in and get some, buy some equipment, buy some energy devices, whatever that may be. Um, because that, you know, that's something that people are, are oftentimes incredibly nervous about because of the cost. But also, um, I, I think there's a lot of disinformation out there as far as, you know, whether you should or, or, or what's the, you know, how much you can make off of it. I, I know that, that some of the best med spas, you know, in, in, in the country have, you know, all sorts of different treatment offerings, including devices, because the margins are good, but, but, but you gotta, you gotta get there at your own pace. So what was your thought process there? And, and, and when, if ever, did you start saying, okay, I'm going to bring in, you know, resurfacing or whatever it was? Yeah, so I only started with injectables. I still am very minimalistic with machines. I have 
reps knocking down my door every day to be their KOL and to do this and that with all of their laser machines and speak for them. I just, you have to think about, this is a huge investment. These machines are hundreds of thousands of dollars and who is going to be doing that service? Is it you? Is it a nurse? Do you have nurses? Can they do these treatments? Right? So RNs in the state of Massachusetts can't do microneedling. Right. So why, you know, if, if you don't want to do this treatment, why would you bring it in? But I, I was very slow to bring in machines. And right now I still only have one laser device and one hydrofacial, which it's probably going to change just because we now have more providers and we're busier. So you want to be able to do them at the same time, but starting with injectables is so much smarter. You, you don't have to buy product and let it sit there for a long time. It comes next day, right? So if you're starting with a smaller bed budget, you order once or twice a week. I mean, I would start with a couple of vials of Botox. I mean, maybe just one on my shelf because I didn't know how many patients I would get that week. Yeah. So you don't want to waste things. And so when you buy a huge machine like that, it just doesn't make sense. The other thing about it is that I hate a mindset based on money and, oh my gosh, I have to sell this because I need to make money on it because it costs me a lot. That is so wrong in so many ways. Yeah. And I hate functioning like that. So when I bring machines in, I want to make sure that it's something that I can float every month, even if I didn't do a treatment, right? And well, then and it so, comes naturally. And, 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 and you, you just mentioned that you're, you're kind of in the market for that right now. You said with your new locations, you're going to maybe, because you've got more providers, are you going to add equipment? And, and if so, what's the... What is the the kind of analysis that you're doing? Because you know it's all it's all very personal to, to what you're building. I, I've had I've had people mm-hmm. who, if they have a larger war chest and they have more money to invest, getting into you know getting into machines right away works for them. But but for a lot of people, it's exactly as you said. So, but now that you've established yourself and you're looking to expand, what are you know, how do you how do you go about figuring what to add and how to add it so that you're absolutely right. You're not just pushing it for the sake of trying to meet your payments. Yeah. I think it's, you have to listen to your patients. What are your patients asking you for? Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we have a laser, the clear and brilliant, which I love, but it's not a very intense laser. It's one that's more gentle, which I liked at the beginning. My whole purpose was I don't want people to have downtime. So just come and get your laser. You can go out and you're fine. And I liked that approach, but you want to listen to your patients. Right now, we have a lot of people that want more attention to pigmentation and redness, telangiectasias, melasma. So getting more intense laser, more intense laser technology is something I'm definitely looking at uh, intensely. But I think I get a little bit, I don't know how to say this the right way. <laughs> They're all so aggressive. And I don't know, specifically at G-Face, they all want... Um, me to be a part of their company or whatever it is. And I just like to do my research. And if that company isn't going to come in and do a test, you know, some test treatments and trial treatments on my team so we can see how it works and see what the results are like, then I'm probably not going to invest in that. I want to see how it works. I want you to show me that you believe in it and I want to see the results. Yeah. I like before and after photos, but I, I want to see it for myself. So I, I still think that even when we, make new locations. I don't think that's going to be the first thing I do. I would rather spend that money on the location and investing in a team that is cohesive and bringing people on deck and then maybe bringing a machine. Right. There's so much you can do with injectables and skincare that 
I don't always believe it's the right answer. And, you know, more often than not, I hear, yeah, I paid all this money for this laser. and ugh, I just don't know if it did anything because you invest a lot in these treatments, which yes, they work, but this is not a one-time thing. You have to do it all of the time. Right. You have to continue doing these and they're not cheap. So what is my approach? My approach is let's get your skin healthy from a molecular standpoint. People love skincare. It doesn't break the bank. You do it every day, like you brush your teeth and your skin is so healthy that you don't need these really expensive treatments all the time. Uh, it doesn't mean there's not a place for them, but I just personally, I'd rather have another hydrofacial. Hydrofacials are the modern facial. That's what we love. We just need, need a clean face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's my approach. Is it right or wrong? I don't know. And will I probably bring something in soon? Yes. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, I think what's, what's really insightful and what folks can learn about what you're saying is that there's, there, there's a certain analysis on, on a practical and a financial level um, and, and a market-based level that, that, that you need to go through. And, and, and so, you know, people who have, you know, a million dollars starting out and they want to build a, you know, whatever, like they can do that as long as you have enough runway where you're not going to drown and, you know, when you're making these, these payments. But I think making sure that your, that your patient base wants it and needs it and will buy it is, is super well, and then it's important. not right next door either. I always right. ask. So right. who, what are your other clients in my area? Right. Right. Because, right. you know, what's the what's the draw? You're getting the same exact machine, the same exact treatment. And what makes us unique is how we use our hands with injectables and who we are. So, yeah, you, yeah, you have to weigh all of those. It, it is my first question when a rep comes in. Who are your other clients in my area? <laughs> well, no, I think that's a great question. Um, and, and, yeah. and, and, and they should be open about it. Right. I mean, there's no there's no that there should they shouldn't be hiding anything and, and there shouldn't be any. Um, timetables on, on, on purchasing. Um, the, you know, what, you know, one thing you said though, that, that I think it, it's, it seems like you've kind of leaned into this with your brand and, and when you've been building is, is the, the fact that you are a drama pathologist, <laughs> a dramatic, a dramatic pathologist, dermato pathologist. Um, you know, you, you said, let's get your skin healthy on the molecular level, right? Which, which means, you know, you can, you can go there because of your training and your, and your, your board certifications. And, and, and I think, you know, people will, will, will be able to, to, to understand that on some level, They're maybe not gonna be able to understand, you know, the, the molecular level like, like you can, but they can understand what you're saying. And, and, and I would love to, to kind of get into that a little bit and then, and then get into your skincare brand. But when, when somebody comes in, um, how do you approach that and break it into it down in a way that, that can understand it? Cause your level of education and proficiency is, you know, so high compared to the average consumer when it comes to, to the, the molecular level of, of skin. Um, what's your approach there? Cause I think it's really unique and interesting and it, and it, and it leads to your, to your niche and it's, it's, it's a, it's a cool take on, on, on what you do. Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people try to sell things too much. So I'll just sit, you know, we'll go over everything. I ask patients what they love about themselves and we go through the whole injectable thing, right? We let them, I let them talk. And the first thing that our problem is as providers is we interrupt them. So I let them talk for as long as possible. And then once we go through their main concerns, I say, so what are you putting on your face? Just very simple. Mm -hmm. What are you putting on your face? 
And sometimes it's an easy answer and sometimes they laugh and they're just like absolutely nothing. So yeah, for me, it's shampoo talking about <laughs> and shampoo. Oh, geez. Horrible. So, so what are you putting on your face? And I start as I'm talking to them and describing and explaining the ingredients, I'm putting things on them, on their hands, on their face, feel this. How does this feel? How does it feel in 10 minutes? You know, let's take care of you and you'll see their skin transform in front of you. This isn't, this isn't like, Oh, I wonder what happens. Do it, do it while they're in your chair Mm -hmm. and they see it. And as they're feeling the, the products, you explain what the ingredients are. So the majority of people have no idea what a vitamin A derivative is. They have no idea the difference between a retinol and retinoic acid in between their retinaldehyde. Mm-hmm. They have no idea why they're dry. They're slamming tretinoin, the retinoic acid on their face every day. It's extremely harsh. And then they stop using it. Well, what's the goal of all of this? The goal is longevity. Let's use sunscreen every day. Let's use a vitamin A derivative every day. So slow and steady wins the race. The retinol is an inactive form of the ingredient. You put it on your skin and the enzymes convert it into retinoic acid in your skin so that it's inactive. What does that mean? That means it's more gentle. It's not as harsh. When you convert retinol to retinoic acid in between is retinaldehyde and that step is reversible. So you can... um, keep the control, the concentration, you have control over the concentration of the amount of retinol that goes to retinoic acid in your body, hence it being gentle as well. I could talk about this literally all day. So (laughs) if you put the active ingredient on your skin, it's harsher. Does it get to the goal quicker? Yes. But are you likely to get to the goal? Probably not because you're going to quit because it's too dry. You're too dry Mm -hmm. and irritated. So we go through all of that. They're like, oh, no wonder. Now I understand. You know, we also talk about how retinol is a cosmeceutical ingredient. It's not regulated. Mm -hmm. So not every retinol is deemed the same. And so we talk about ours and how it's a little bit different and how we combine it with green tea and other soothing anti-inflammatory ingredients that help facilitate the product and the efficacy and comfort. So then their head, their eyes are like rolling back in their head. They're like, oh my God, this lady, I've never heard all this stuff in my life, right? (laughs) So... (laughs) So then we just continue on and we go through the ingredients. We go through sunscreens. You know, the the rate limiting step is loving your sunscreen. If you don't love it, you won't put it on and it won't work. Right. So let's get you something you love. Try this. I don't care if you like it. You know, if you don't like it, don't use it. But let's find something that you love. Yeah. So, so that's how I talk to patients. I talk about, uh, I always ask, well, I don't actually ask. I tell them what I think their skin type is and... I'm usually right, mostly yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes I get it wrong, but usually right. We talk about their skin type. Are you dry? Are you sensitive? Are you um, mm-hmm. an oilier skin phenotype? And a lot of what patients think they are is incorrect. And what's interesting about that is because what they're putting on their skin is causing that phenotype. So mm-hmm. I get them back to baseline. We find out what they're using. A lot of people will bring a whole bag of skincare products and we go through the ingredients and dissect them. So I think my point is, if you're if you're passionate about something like this, maybe you don't care. Okay, fine, you don't yeah. care. But if you're passionate about it, it changes patients' lives. They become educated. They feel like they understand their own skin and what they're putting on it, and they come back one to two weeks later, and they're like, "Wow, you completely changed my life." Yeah. Now, would I have that same reaction to somebody who came in and got a laser treatment? No. Hmm. 
So that's where I find that patient care, the passion, the quality surrounding education and something that patients can have control over at a cost effective level is so much more powerful than a laser. Laser has its place, but that's where I, my point of the whole thing. Hey everybody, Alex Tiersch here. And I wanted to take a second to let you guys know about AM Spa's medical spa and aesthetic boot camps. It is boot camp season here at AmSpa, and we are getting ready to go on the road with our boot camps. Um, many of you have been to them. We've been doing them for, gosh, going on, I want to say, six, seven years now. We've, we've educated um, hundreds upon hundreds of med spa owners across the country. But for those of you who haven't been, AmSpa's medical spa and aesthetic boot camps are intense two-day seminars covering legal and best practices um, business best practices in the medical spa industry. Medical spa and aesthetic boot camps are designed for all medical spa professionals looking to run efficient, compliant, and profitable aesthetic practices. We get into everything from business planning to updating your business plan, marketing, two hours on legal and compliance, sales training, um, purchasing um, equipment, all sorts of things. And we've, we've added breakout sessions talking about things like putting your med spa up for sale, what's the what's the, the market for expansion and acquisition and things like that. So we really want to make sure that everyone has something they can get. And I think if you uh, take a look at the agenda, you'll find that to be to be the case. These things are intense, though. I want to make sure that all of you understand who are going to, if you're going to show up, we do these things to the limit and we make sure we give you all the information that you need. So it's two days chock full of information. Join us. We're going to be in Atlanta, May 13th through 15th. Chicago, June 24th, 26th, New York, July 22nd through 24th, San Francisco, August 19th through 21st, Houston, October 7th through 9th, and Miami, November 4th through 6th. Registration is limited. It will fill up fast. So visit AmericanMedSpa.org slash Amispa Bootcamps to reserve your seat today. See you there. Yeah, and, and what, um, I mean, have you, truly, uh, how important is the skincare regimen to, um, you know, not just improving skin and making people feel and look better, but just like to the overall um, kind of aesthetic and the, the, the overall you know, kind of guarantee of results? Because what, what I'm getting at is a lot of folks don't focus as much on, on skincare. They get right into the injectables or the, or the energy treatments or whatever it is. But, um, and I'm certainly not one to, to follow because my skincare regimen is literally shampoo, um, but, uh, or something more abrasive. Um, like how, how much can people improve with just skincare and how important is it in the overall scheme of things? So there's a lot of frou-frou things on the market. It's a lot of advertising and there's certain products that are essentially non-negotiables when a patient sits in my chair mm -hmm. and I tell them they're non-negotiables because I don't care what I put under your skin. If you're spending all of this money on injectables and you're not using clinically proven ingredients, it makes no sense. And the only true clinically proven ingredients are the SPF and the mm -hmm. vitamin A derivatives like a retinol or tretinoin. So those two things are non-negotiables for me. Everything else, okay, they have their place. They are amazing. Can you live without them? Sure. Mm -hmm. But the things that are going to make a difference are the sunscreen and the, and the retin-A. 
The sunscreen, obviously, you want a broad-spectrum sunscreen that protects against UVA and UVB rays. The UVA rays can come through windows, and you can think of it as UV aging. So they will age you. They won't burn you. So you won't even know that you're getting collagen damage and solar elastosis and degradation of your tissues and fine lines and wrinkles because you're not, it's not showing, it's just happening over time. The burning rays obviously burn you and then you have problems. So that's the first thing. And the retinol, people will say, well, I'm so sensitive and I have rosacea and I'm dry, I can't use a retinol. Well, let me help you get to the point where you're not dry anymore and we make a plan. Use it once a week at night and get up to every night. But retinol has been shown not only to be the premier anti-aging ingredient, but it helps with spine lines and wrinkles. It helps promote collagen growth. It helps with vascularity. It decreases redness and it actually fortifies the skin to help combat rosacea. Yes, there's a little curve in there. You've got to get over the hump and get over some irritation, but in the long run, it's amazing. So we go through that and they're like, wow, I never knew that. Okay, let me try again, right? So those are the two things I really focus on as requirements. And then everything else, you know, hyaluronic acid is phenomenal. It's a hydrator. It makes your skin really hydrated, soft, and plump. Mm -hmm. And there's vitamin C products. We go into that and how there's a lot of vitamin Cs that don't work for multiple reasons. So, you know, long story short, I think everything that we talk about is great, but the the most important is the sunscreen and the retinol, the vitamin A's. Okay. So, yeah. and, and then the, the, the kind of kicker to all this is that you started your own skincare line, um, which has been wildly successful and is, is growing and, and we've talked a little bit about it, but it's, it's, it seems like it's, um, it's, it's really driving a lot of your revenue and a lot of your growth. And, and obviously you're passionate about it. Um, what was the analysis between, starting your own skincare line and just going out and getting, you know, whatever it might, whether it's a skin medical or whatever it is that, that, that you've got access to from, you know, current vendors. And I'm sure you've got skincare folks coming to you all the time as well. Um, and, and it, it's, it's one thing that people struggle with is, you know, how many lines should they have? Uh, you know, first we're always convincing them when we do our boot camps is just to, to focus on skincare period. Like it's important, but once you decide, okay, I'm going to do that. Um, how do you know what to provide in your, um, your, your, your clinic and, but how did you decide that you were going to break out and do your own? Cause, and there's a lot of folks who swear by having their own. And there's a lot of folks who say, nah, don't do it. It's not worth it. It's kind of up in the air. Um, I'd love to talk about that for a bit. Yeah. So there's a lot there. So there's multiple different types of quote unquote, having your own. Okay. Um, but I did, and I'll go through that, but I did start with Skin Medica and I loved it. You know, it was through Allergan. I, yeah. I absolutely love Skin Medica. I think they have great products uh, and my patients love them. And I think you can, it depends on how much you want to do with skincare. I have a chemist pathologist brain and I want to do it myself. I want right. to do everything from creation to label making to box development to everywhere on the box. I want to do it all, but that's not for everybody, right? There's right. people that, and I have done everything myself. I've had help with team members, but I don't have a staff for Sawyer Skin and that's a completely separate company from G-Face. So yeah. they are completely independent and we do sell it at other locations and we're expanding, but 
it depends on what you want. You know, when you start and you've, you're starting to build your actual practice, not skincare, just get something that you believe in, SkinCeuticals, SkinMedica. There's so many incredible brands and learn them, you know, learn about them, learn how they work uh, yeah. and see if it's something that you're interested in, right? Don't just start your skincare line just to start it. It makes no sense. Right. Uh, so, so start somewhere. And then if it's something where you're like, okay, branding wise, I want to have a skincare line that's the same as my injectables brand, which a lot of people do. And there's so many private label brands where you just slap your name on a product. That's a pre-formulated product and, mm-hmm. and that's fine. It's amazing. It's amazing for your practice. People re- will remember you when they take your product home, right? Yep. But it's easy. You don't make the products. You don't have a lab. You just put your name on it. Right. And, and I think that's the next step. And it's easy. Um, I think the, the consumer is getting smart, right? And I think they're you're able to tell yeah. kind of what's a more private label product versus not. Uh, and and then you can go to the next step, which is actually having a say in the ingredients, having a say in the formulation. You know, creating a brand that's not just all pre-formulated, right? And then you go to the next step and you have your own lab. So I'm kind of at that step where I want my own lab. I'm looking for a cosmetic chemist. Really? Um, I want that, but I am a chemist. I am a pathologist. So it's just a different animal. Right. I wouldn't say that that's, you know, it's a completely different company. So I, for me, so I would right. say when you're starting, just get a really good skincare brand. Or if you want to jump in and say, I'm going to do private label, put my name on something, elevate my brand, do it. It's incredible. And patients will love it. Um, I say, understand your products, understand what's in them, know what's in them, not just what's on the label, but really what's in them, mm-hmm. hidden ingredients, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so that's so kind of what's the, um, what, what, what's interesting, um, is that, you know, uh, some folks will have when they, when they talk about private label, they will literally have a, a brand that kind of matches their brand. Right. So it's, it's not like having G face MD skincare line, right. Or whatever it is, you chose kind of a different method, which was to build a separate brand. Um, why did you go that route as opposed to just trying to match it to your brand? And, and, and I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to, to both, but, but in my mind, matching it to your existing brand, that's where people are going to, you know, that's for external branding. People are going to, other people are going to see it. Um, talk about that process. Yeah, it's so, so interesting. So there's so many pros and so many cons, right? right. Yeah. I So I actually did G-Face MD skincare for a hot second and okay. I just didn't like it. Um, it felt fake to me. It felt too private labely. I just really didn't like it. And it felt salesy. Like I was like, Ugh, they're in here and it's the same brand. For me, it didn't fit. Okay. Um, and I can't tell you exactly why, but I decided to start this other company, which it was almost like another test. I didn't want my name on it. I wanted people to know that I made it, but I wanted, I want it to be like a Chanel. I mean, I want it to be something totally different that you'll see at some point in Sephora, you know, it's just a different animal. And I didn't want it to be, I already have a successful G face. I don't need a skincare that kind of falls in there. I want another successful business and mm-hmm. to be completely different. And it's interesting because when I talk to other business people, um, I have a lot of very 
successful business people in my life, they're, they're like, why did you do that? That you yeah. should have just done them the same. Because if you look at trying to have investors, which we're not at that point, I don't know if we ever will be, but investors don't like that, right? They right. want it to all be that we're investing in one company because how can they tell if you're spending 50% of your time on a skincare and 50% in G-Face, they want all your time in G-Face. So that's been an interesting conversation I've had. But again, the bottom line is that I'm doing it because I love it. And yeah. there's no book. There's I'm, I'm making my own book and this is the way I decided, you know, for good or for bad. Yeah. So I think people can choose. And I, and I want it to be different, to be honest. Everybody does, you know, the same as their brand. I want it to be different. Well, no, I, I think there's... Um I mean, I think the fact that you can now, and you mentioned this when you were just beginning to talk, is that you can put it in other um, med spots, right? Other folks can 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 then buy it, and that's that that's tougher unless you know you're you know world renowned or whatever it is. You know, it, it's 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 tougher um, to do that. But but because you have a separate brand, you can now go out there and sell it. And I, I, are you is that part of the the, the overall plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did have, um, I was doing wholesale more aggressively last year and this year it's happening really organically, which is pretty amazing. I have people from all over, all over the country that want to put it in their, awesome. in their practices. But again, I don't have anyone. I have one person, she's incredible and she's helping me, but I haven't brought in staff for Soyer at this point. So it's, okay. it gets a little challenging and I don't push it because I just don't have the time right now. But, uh, you know, it's, it's happening. <laughs> so, but we have people that just come into the office, uh, my G-Face office, just to shop for Soyer. I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, no, that's awesome. I, 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 yeah. I, I think that's awesome. Um, and, and, and we ship it nationally. So, okay. So it's great. Yeah. Well, what, um, so, you know, shifting gears a bit, I, I would love to, um, um, we've been talking for 45 minutes already, so we're, we're, yeah, it's wild. Um, I'm, but I, I would love to, to, to talk about two quick things. One is, um, just kind of, we, we were chatting before we went, um, a, a hit record just about the, the, the pace of the industry and just kind of what's, what's happening to aesthetics in general. And it's, um, you know, it's it, it was a good point that you raised j- just having that conversation because it's so it, it's really a crazy, wild, fast paced, like supersonic industry that, that 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 we're in. And I just would um, I mean, how does it like where, where do you see this going? I mean, we're, I feel like we're almost on a rocket ship and but there's really it's just taken off and, and we're kind of just going and I don't think anybody really knows how big or where it can get. But what do you think the, the future holds for this industry? Yes, many thoughts. So <laughs> I think we're in chapter one of 20 to 30 chapters and it is booming. And I think there's two two sides of this one as practitioners what we need to be aware of and also the patients and what what's happening to patients so Mm -hmm. as practitioners the momentum is so huge that we have to stay educated we have to continue our learning we have to stay on top of things we have to know and and really put time in to learn because if you don't you're going to not only to be doing your patients a a disservice but you're you know you're not up to date with what's happening in the industry. So that's one thing. 
The other side that I find to be interesting is that aesthetics was so hush hush for so long and people were injecting their faces without telling any, telling anyone to a point of so much filler and material in people's faces that now it's this mad dash to dissolve. Yeah. So what are we doing? So we're, we're accelerating this industry and it's going so, so, so fast. People's faces were so huge. Now everybody's becoming aware of filler. Everybody wants it. It's not, it's not, Oh, hush, hush. I, I got Botox. It's like, wait, you haven't done it. What is wrong with you? Right, right. Right. So now everybody wants to dissolve their faces. So it's really interesting what's happening. And I encourage all of my team and my providers to proceed with caution with every patient and always inject and also have your dissolving hyaluronidase in the other hand to get the best result. And I think that's something that people need to be very aware of as we accelerate so fast because patients are going office to office to office. You know, they think that you don't know, but you know, as a provider, you should know that, well, they just had their lips done. They're not going to tell me, but they want more from me. Well, no, that's not how it works. And so to be really educated on how to dissolve, how it's made, the right type of patient, and then use your, you know, that with your left hand, your right hand is how to inject. But I think it's always ask questions, ask your patients questions so you know how to proceed. I think because it's going so fast, everybody wants to make a lot of money and they don't care. And and we have to keep the patient in mind and make sure we're taking care of them in the right way, even though everything is going so quickly. So that's well, my and, two cents. No, and we, and we have to. I I I agree with that, and and I think it's it's insightful, and, and it's important um, that that people continue to look natural and look like themselves. We I was watching with my wife um, just last night one of the Real Housewives shows, and and it was and and it, it's it's strange because because you're absolutely right. There's there you know I feel like there's kind of a a rebound now where people want to get more of the natural less filled look but you still see whether it's in Miami or Beverly Hills or Dallas or wherever you know everywhere really you still will see some of these people that are extremely overfilled and and it, and and they look weird um but there's obviously a some people out there who like that and and I'm just I I'm I'm curious like how do we get to the the kind of very natural um, where, where people are, are doing it, but not overdoing it. Cause my, my, one of my fears about this industry is that there's, people are going to get scared cause they don't, the consumer is going to get scared cause they don't want to look like this person they saw in a magazine. They're like, Oh my God, I don't want to get fillers ever because Ugh, you look like that when, I mean, that, that's not always necessary. So how, how do you deal with that in your practice? Yeah. So I talked to my patients kind of like a cake. So I refer to a cake. So we want to get your, the actual cake and the bread of it, which is your collagen. We need to give you a base, depending on the patient, everybody's a little bit different, but using products that stimulate your own cells to make collagen, I find are so beautiful. They're the products and the people that you see essentially that don't ever age. They don't look done. They just don't age. And that's Mm -hmm. because they're creating their own collagen. And, you know, for sculptor, for example, the FDA studies were only, the studies done were only up to two years. So it's FDA approved for lasting two years, but we're finding it lasts much longer. That's because just because the study didn't go that long. So what's happening with my patients is that they'll either come in and they're overfilled and I won't do anything or I'll dissolve. And then we go back and we give a base of collagen and then we do the frosting on top. So the icing on the cake, we do a little bit of sculpting, a little bit of 
definition with some sort of filler. But I think the industry is moving more towards, and it depends on what area you live in too, it's geographic as well, but using more of a collagen stimulating base, we have new products that are fat, adipocyte based, Renuva is a new one, and then we have exosomes that are coming out. And using these products that are more natural, they happen over time is amazing. The flip side of that is you do want to start a little bit earlier. And so you don't want to wait until you're trying to reverse. You want to really uh, get ahead of the aging and gently stimulate your collagen over time. So you're never having to overdo it. And I do think that's where we're heading. Mm -hmm. And that's where my patients, um, that's what my patients ask for. And that's what we, we do here for the most part. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so, um, last kind of question because before we bump up on an hour and I want to get, I want to get a little bit more into your, into your personal life. Um, you went to, you studied at Juilliard for, was it a ballet? I want to say. Yep. That's a little secret. Well, uh, it's not that much of a secret because it's on your website. Um, but what, um, um, first of all, how are your toes doing now? I always see pictures of, of ballet dancers on their toes and I'm cringing. Um, but what was that? I mean, the Juilliard's no joke. So what, 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 um, you know, did you, did you have dreams of being, you know, for the New York ballet or anything like that or in, in New York talking, city ballet? Yeah. No, but I have a bunch of friends who are, um, soloists and in the ballet, but I, I danced my whole life. I grew up dancing in high school. I also did other things, but I loved ballet as well as my sister and I was always shorter. And so not that all ballerinas have to be tall, but I just never, I wasn't sure that my phenotype was the right, perfect prima ballerina. I was always very scientific. So I always knew I wanted to go to medical school, okay. but I danced every single night of my life, essentially from like six to 10 PM. Um, and, and loved it. And for, um, about five or six months, I went to, maybe it wasn't that long, four months, went to Juilliard, studied there. It was incredible an incredible experience and learned a lot and then decided to go to med school. Uh, my sister, on the other hand, did the same. Well, she went a little bit different, but she danced professionally with the Atlanta Ballet and then went back to medical school. So wow. I guess it's just in my blood. Um, I do think it's interesting when I talk to people, when I present on stage, it's definitely something that it gave me was more of a stage presence, feeling more comfortable on stage, getting your makeup done, that kind of stuff is more natural and I love it versus getting so scared. So it yeah. definitely gave me some, some nice qualities to take with me. Are you still, are you still dancing now? I mean, do you still do uh, something? No, <laughs> not even like break dancing or hip, you know, hit something break you know. dancing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll do some yoga. I like to do spinning, but not dancing. you know, I'll dance around by myself maybe, but that's about it. <laughs> that's so that's so, um, that's, I mean, that, that, that that's, I, th- I think that's fascinating because I think, you know, people's backgrounds, you know, like you, you, but, but you always wanted to be a doctor. Like you knew that was, that was your ultimate goal. Even when you were a kid. That was my dad's a vascular surgeon. And so I was exposed to that from day one. And, you know, I went on rounds with him and was in the operating room with him when I was in elementary school. So that was something that was always, it was, I just always wanted to be in medicine. I always wanted to be a surgeon until I realized what that was. And, (laughs) and, um, yeah. And I think, I think dancing has given, can give you so many different qualities, even from an injectable standpoint with the artistic nature of it. I'm a very visual person, which draws into the pathology aspect. And then with the aesthetics, you have to have an eye for it. You know, you really have to understand it and learn it and know what you're doing, but 
there is definitely a component of the artistic eye that mm-hmm. that can take you to the next level. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yes. Um, well, no, this is this has been awesome, and I know we could probably talk for 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 hours more. So you've got. Um, um, you've got your own virtual uh, meeting that you do the uh, which which um, just, face just, it yeah. yeah face it virtual um, and, and and face is it face it live or what what is it called again yeah so it's face it and we have the virtual and we've yet to do a live okay. because I found a niche in this virtual environment that yeah. is really nice yeah now everybody's traveling in all these conferences which is great but I think there's a place for a very high-end advanced virtual conference. So we do that once a year. It's in February. It's great. Uh, Yeah. And look forward to it next year. Maybe having you guys on board. Yeah, we'd love to. Um, Yeah. And then where can folks, if if someone once has a question for you, they want to find you or find out more about your skincare line, what's the best way for them to to get in touch with you? Yeah. So the website, GFaceMD, and then Instagram, obviously, GFaceMD. That's probably where I am the most an unhealthy relationship there and uh soyer skin it's s-o-y-i-e-r.com and you can go there soyer skin collection on instagram and we have a messaging system you can ask us any questions on social media or on the website and i'm happy to help um one thing that we do there is that we give samples out with orders and then we can send you samples if you're interested and i think that's another thing that is not offered by bigger skincare brands it allows you to try it without feeling yeah. like you have to buy a full size product. So that's nice. Yeah. So let me know if anybody has questions. No, that's awesome. I think there's, um, <clears throat> we'll have to, we'll have to talk about, um, at next MSS too. Like, I think there's, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole, you know, track possible with, with skincare and, 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 and all that, that, that we could probably get into. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate you, you coming on in, in any last words, what's your, just kind of in closing, what's your, what's your go-to streaming TV show that you're, that, 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 that you're watching right now, if anything. Um, I real, don't have one. Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. It starts with an I or something. I can't remember. It starts so with an I. What was it? What's it about? Game of Thrones? Um, it was that show. No, never mind. Just forget about it. <laughs> it was, it was the show that's, uh, it's like drugs and party and all that, but it was really, everybody's talking about it. Everybody yes. knows that listening what it is, and I'm, I'm yes. dying right now. Of I can't, course. I can't think of it. Drugs and partying. It's the first thing yes, you think of when you think of. It was a very of, good show. That's, when you that's think not of, what it's all about, but people are probably of, laughing right now. When you think of Dr. Freeling, <laughs> it's drugs and partying. It's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> um, well, well, thank you for I'm joining us. It's, it's been, you know, it's been, it, we could, again, we could, we'll have to have you back and, and we'll talk more, but um, I appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me, and we'll talk soon. Of course. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dr. Gretchen Freeling, MD of FaceMD. If you are new with us, click the subscribe button to receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.